0: The types of stories I love to write tend to be stories about normal people in really extraordinary situations. I like things that are kind of tonally weird or different. Like, you know, I feel like Better Call Saul was such a great encapsulation of a show that plays with tone. in in so many different ways, maybe even more than Breaking Bad did. You know, it's funny. It's shocking. it's, It's like a family drama sometimes. It's a crime drama. It goes all over the place. But at its core, it's just about people dealing with their actions, the consequences of their actions, who do they want to be and how do their own decisions and the decisions of those around them kind of affect their ability to be that person. I always want the people to feel really real and like people you would just meet in your daily life because that's to me is how you get to that emotional connection you get in storytelling." That's
1: Jennifer Hutchison, the Massachusetts-born screenwriter known for her work on shows like Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul and the upcoming Lord of the Rings TV series. Whether she's telling a story set in fiery Mordor or just New Mexico, Jennifer loves finding the relatability within people caught in unrelatable situations. There's something revealing, she explains, about seeing ordinary characters like Breaking Bad's Walter White pulled into something as extraordinary as Albuquerque's methamphetamine underworld. Why? Well, because his behaviour in that pressure cooker environment is behaviour that we all might have dormant within us. The type of TV Jennifer loves to write gives us a chance to see that side of ourselves the parts we hide away, or perhaps even deny, dialed up to 11.
0: They don't have to be just everyday people. They could be extraordinary in the sense of they could be kings and queens, they could have magical powers, they could do all those things, but the core emotions are very grounded And relatable, I always say people ask me sometimes, like, how could you write Walter White on Breaking Bad? You know, you're not a middle-aged man, teacher with cancer, dealing drugs. And I'm like, no, I am not. Fair. But I have felt desperate before. I have felt misunderstood. I have felt trapped. I have felt all those feelings that Walt has felt in some way. And I think that's what I mean when I mean, like, sort of ordinary, like, people who experience universal emotions because the specifics of their story make that story interesting but those universal emotions are what allow you to connect to them
1: i'm al horner and coming up today on how i write a podcast about the highs lows and workflows of screenwriting jennifer Hutchison reveals how deadlines unlock her creativity Why the trick to first drafts is to let your characters speak the subtext of each scene. And how you block out the noise when you're writing a show that's five seasons deep and hurtling towards a conclusion that millions of viewers are all deeply invested in.
0: I'm usually wearing my headphones with generally rain sounds play. I will also listen to, you know, ambient (laughs) music and listening to a lot of Aphex Twin (laughs) lately. Yeah, and it's just me and my laptop at that point.
1: That's all to come today on How I Write, presented by Arc Studio Pro. The screenwriting software that lets writers stay focused on the stories they're trying to tell on the page. Get your free trial today to check out its intuitive design, seamless real-time collaboration features, excellent outlining functions, and easy-to-use import and export capabilities. More on those guys later, but now, with no further ado…
0: I'm Jennifer Hutchison, and this is how I write.
1: Life wasn't always orcs, elves, and Jesse Pinkman for Jennifer, who was born in Concord, Massachusetts, but moved around a lot when she was little. That's just how it is for quote unquote military brats, to use her phrase. Kids like her who grew up in US Army families. She credits that life, a life of often being the new kid at school and having to embed herself in new communities over and over again, with leading her to storytelling and shaping a lot of her screenwriting habits today.
0: It helped with my uh, sort of understanding of character. And different situations that can build people and um really intense friendships. So you're able to it's sort of like supercharges your friendships because you you have to make them fast and then they end so quickly. And so you have to get a lot of friendship in a short period of time. And that's almost like telling a story, you know, because like you have to intensify those relationships so quickly. um that I think that actually really really I haven't thought about that in that way, but I think that really did did affect it, and then just being open. I think there's an openness you have to have as a military kid that is really helpful in storytelling and and finding an entree into different worlds and characters.
1: The more you discover about Jennifer's background, the less and less surprising it is that she became an important contributor to so many great TV shows, starting as an assistant on The X-Files and Mad Men before graduating to the writers' room with Breaking Bad. Jennifer always loved TV. In fact, her childhood was pretty much one big negotiation and renegotiation with her parents over bedtimes, so she could stay up and watch her favourite shows. Movies were great too, but there was something novelistic and expansive about TV that she just adored.
0: For me, because I love characters so much and I love doing just incredibly deep dives into people, film is naturally limited when you do that. That's more, you pick a moment in a person's life, which is great, but in TV you can really explore like... A full spectrum of a person's life. That's really what ended up drawing me to it. It almost feels inevitable that I would have, the bulk of my career would have ended up being in TV.
1: When it comes to Jennifer's writing process, it's less a case of how I write and more a case of we, she says. TV writing requires close collaboration with other writers in what are known as writer's rooms. Eventually, Jennifer will be assigned an episode and will peel off to write it by herself in her apartment on a desk that she proudly points out looks kind of like Jimmy's one in Better Call Saul. But before that point, these shows require a team of people working together under the direction of a showrunner, breaking the story for the season ahead and all of the story beats contained within.
0: Writers' rooms are wonderful places, especially if you love writing, because you just get to talk about like the little nuts and bolts of character and plot and how you, how do you do this thing, you know, until it's beautiful. And then everybody's like almost shouting over to like, oh yeah. And then you could do this and then you could do that. And then this, like, those are really beautiful moments in a room on most shows. You will have a writer's room, which is basically you come in in the morning. All the writing staff sits down and you just with the showrunner and there's usually a writer's assistant who takes notes of everything that's said and keeps track of continuity and all the the main sort of storylines. And you just sit down all of us together and we start working on what is the show going to be? What are the episodes? What are the characters? Different rooms do different things. Some use index cards, some use whiteboards, but ultimately what you're doing is you're writing uh, together. You're coming up with The beats of the story, which is just all the things that happen in whatever level of detail your particular showrunner wants. And you put those all down on some sort of board, again, a cork board with cards or a whiteboard, and you build your show kind of from the ground up.
1: The best writers' rooms, Jennifer explains, are places where writers are free to pitch anything without fear of judgment. In these rooms, there are no bad ideas because so called bad ideas are often the seeds of great ones
0: it's hard to be in a room and pitch because you're being very vulnerable. You always want to present your absolute best idea completely and fully polished. I mean, when you turn in a script, you've gone over that thing. Well, hopefully you have like so many times that it's like, this is as perfect as I can make it right now until I get feedback. You know, when you're in a room, your job is to be not perfect. Your job is to generate ideas and sometimes they're ugly and they don't, work right yet. Sort of one of the common refrains you'll hear in a lot of writers rooms is this is the bad version or this might be terrible but maybe it'll lead to something good. And that's actually something you want to hear because a lot of times what happens is oh this is the bad version will spark somebody else's, you know, creative flow and they'll be like oh what you could do is this because a lot of times when you're stuck on something you don't have an idea Trying to make it exactly right is the thing that's keeping you stuck, and a lot of times what you need to do is say, this is what I'm trying to do, this is what I'm going for.
1: Jennifer often positions herself in the room as a problem-solving force of optimism, who's able to keep a 30,000 foot view of the story and where it's headed. She does this to keep the season on track, heading towards its narrative destination with precision and pace and to alleviate some of the intense pressure that can come with a show as beloved as Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad.
0: My role in a room, I tend to generate a lot of stuff, but I try to keep also... I try to keep a very big picture view sometimes, of like, this is what's going to happen in the next episode, this is what we're trying to do with this character, because a lot of times you can get really lost in detail and forget kind of what you're trying to do and, and what's holding the whole thing together. I also tend to be very positive of like, I've been in writer's rooms where it feels like we will never crack this thing. Like, it's just, we've made a horrible mistake. I've seen real despair in writer's rooms. Like people get really down in their feelings when it's just not coming. And so I try to be like, we've been here before. We can find it. We can find our way through. It's probably going to be something really small and simple, uh, not, you know, deconstruct the entire show. And it usually works. Like it usually is something small and simple, There's not
1: a one-size-fits-all approach to this, and the task in hand varies dramatically depending on what story it is that Jennifer and co are breaking. By season 5 of Breaking Bad, for example, the show had grown into a prestige TV phenomenon, watched by tens of millions worldwide – all of whom, by the way, had very strong opinions on what should happen to Walt and co. At this point you might be wondering, how do you even begin to deal with that kind of pressure? Do you try to block it out? Or is letting a little awareness of that audience expectation into your writer's room actually kind of a good thing?
0: Starting a new season in the room is always really emotional in a few ways if you've already done a season before you're kind of coming off the glory of like we finished it we actually got through a whole season and usually you're very happy with it and now it's like oh god we have to do it all over again (laughs) like there's definitely this fear of like looking at this blank board that was previously filled and just being like i don't even know where to begin but then conversely, there's the like, we could do anything. It's a clean palette that you can just paint whatever you want on. As far as audience expectations as a show gets bigger or or if it's a high profile show, those are really daunting. As fans ourselves, you know, we want to tell a story that is delightful and emotional and you hope that that is in line with what most fans also want. Because if you get too caught up in expectation, because fans are not a monolith. Like everybody views the show differently. Breaking Bad, people there are people who are like, oh my God, I love Walt. And I really don't like any of the storylines about, you know, skinny Pete or something. And people like skinny Pete's the only, you know, skinny Pete's my favorite character. Like everybody likes something different on that show. You can't go in going, Oh, well the fans will want this or that because they're different. Like different people are going to identify with different things. And if you, you get too much into that, you lose the thread of what you're actually doing. You have to trust your own voice. It's really hard. It's a really delicate balance. And it's something I think about a lot and My hope is that fans just realise like, we love the show and we want to tell the best possible story we can, that most, if not everybody, will love, you know.
1: Still to come on How I Write. The trick to opening and closing a screenplay in style that Jennifer often falls back on. Why walks and video games are her crutch when she's stuck on a story problem. And why revising her drafts involves Jennifer going through each line and working out if by saying less, her story can say more. But first, a word about Arc Studio Pro. Screenwriting to me is all about immersion. I want to stay immersed in that dreamy, fantasy-like state while I weave my story and craft my characters. I don't want to be distracted by anything and I certainly don't want to be thinking about text formatting. Arc Studio Pro understands that. It's so intuitive, it has a minimal and dare I say beautiful interface that allows me to stay completely focused on the story I'm trying to tell. If you like to work with a writing partner, well, good news. ArcStudio Studio Pro has seamless real-time collaboration, kind of similar to Google Docs, which allows you and whoever you're working with to stay literally and figuratively on the same page. Importing and exporting other formats like PDF and final draft files is easy, and best of all, it has an always free plan, meaning you can sign up today and start writing. To take your screenwriting to the next level, visit arcstudiopro.com. Click the link in today's show notes to find out more. Okay, let's get back to the conversation.
0: I try to bring my own authenticity into everything I write while also honoring, you know, the showrunner's voice and tone. Better Call Saul was a show that for me, I was able to bring a lot of myself into, particularly in... Kim's character. I feel such a strong connection to that character that I, whenever I had an episode with her, I would put in details that I felt were, that were mine, that were really things that I would do.
1: There's a misconception around TV writing that because you've got lots of storytellers all contributing at once, there's somehow less room for writers to bring parts of themselves to the table in the way they might on a feature screenplay. That's not quite true though, says Jennifer. In the case of Better Call Saul, sure, these may be characters devised by Vince Gilligan, undergoing experiences decided by a team of people. But there's still lots of room to add elements of autobiography to the page that help ground scenes in something real. Writing scenes involving the character Kim, for example, frequently allows Jennifer to pull from her own life, her own characteristics.
0: This is really a silly one, but there's an episode where she like quits her job and she rents a lot of movies and she's just like eating chips and watching movies and Jimmy comes home and he's like, what are you doing? And I remember we were talking about they like, what does she do? Does she go to a spa? Does she do this? And I was like, no guys, she rents a bunch of movies and just like eats a bunch of junk food. And that's what I would do. Like that's 100% me. I just took myself and I like made it Kim and it was, a real pleasure writing that scene and then seeing it and feeling so connected to that character in such a silly way. But I was like, well, different people de-stress in different ways. And to me, this is the way that I like to de-stress. And I would love to see that represented in this one scene, in this one show. And it actually ended up really working, I thought, and and being a really sweet scene. So that's one example of, of that, <laughs> a silly one.
1: When episodes have been assigned to writers, who each go away and tackle them alone, they're often up against it. TV is a fast-paced environment with some intense deadlines. This, it turns out, within reason, is just the way Jennifer likes it.
0: TV is interesting because it's great that you have deadlines and you're really trying to work towards a very specific goal. It is hard when those deadlines... Um, start to stack up and you have no time. I've been on shows where I've had friends who've been on shows where they have to turn around a script in two days. And that's not a word that you want to be in. You know, there's just no time. I've been very lucky in that my writer's draft is usually due and I have two weeks to write it. And that's like a really... That's tight, but it's a good amount of time for an hour script. I also firmly believe that the work stretches to fill the time. So, you know, part of my process is negotiating how long it's going to take me to write things. And if I have three weeks, I'm like, oh, I'll be so far ahead. And it's like, nope, that time just stretched out. Like I just took more time thinking about things or getting through the first draft. You know, it, it just if I don't have a deadline, the work just tends to stretch forever. I If I don't have a deadline on something, I always have to self-impose deadlines and I have to make them firm in telling people, I will have this to you by this date. Because otherwise, my brain is just like, oh, well, there's so many possibilities. I do think there's a threshold for how much time is uh, is good for obsessing over details. Because at a certain point, you just you just stop getting anything done.
1: The first step in Jennifer's approach to actually writing an episode of TV is getting down a quote unquote vomit draft. Named such because, well, you're basically just expelling it from your body onto the page. A vomit draft will be messy, but well, it exists. You can polish and improve something that exists. You can't improve a blank piece of paper. When it comes to writing these vomit drafts, Jennifer will let characters simply blurt out how they're feeling or what they want in a scene. Subtlety, detail, nuance, all that stuff can come later.
0: I tend to write first drafts as vomit drafts. I just start and I go until the end and I don't revise as I'm writing. I'm someone who works better editing, like revising something than generating a, on a blank page. And so even if it's the worst thing I've ever written it, that I at least know what I need to change. So yeah, I tend to write very like straightforward vomit drafts. As I've written more and more, my vomit drafts have gotten to be better quality because I'm able to, especially on a show that I know well, you know, on Better Call Saul, like I know those characters. I knew those characters so well that by the end, my vomit drafts were actually in pretty good shape. And there is a lot of writing exactly what a character is thinking or even writing like write a funny joke here or (laughs) find a way to, you know, she's trying to say this to him, like just just writing the, the subtext out as text. No one but me ever sees that draft. I have never shown a vomit draft to anyone in my life because I feel like I would just die of mortification. I write a vomit draft. It's really important to get it on the page for me so that I have something to work with. And then from there, my next revision is a very Intense, you know, line by line revision where I work on each scene until I feel like it's in better shape or I've hit a wall and I have to move on. And then I just repeat that process and it gets like slightly less intense with each go through until I turn it in, basically until I run out of time and have to turn it in.
1: <laughs> when it comes to both opening and closing episodes that she's writing, Jennifer strives to find a really strong image that connects to the theme of the episode. Her script for the Season 3 episode of Breaking Bad titled I See You, for example, begins with a hospital gown gradually coming undone to reveal a brutally bruised torso. Finding a way to visually tie your episode into what's going on underneath the surface of your characters adds a sophistication and resonance to the material, Jennifer explains.
0: I like to start with a strong image, which is something I kind of learned from Vince Gilligan and that camp. And a lot of times for the opening of a script, that is kind of my in is like what's this like opening image or you know feel or tone and then for the ending it really varies you want to end it as soon as you possibly can and it makes sense you know so it's sort of the flip of the beginning and i always want to end it on another strong image, usually with a character. Like if I can be on a character and whatever their reaction is to the scene, as opposed to a wide or something like that, unless having that larger perspective is helpful, I I tend to want to end there. I think that's where my imagery comes in the strongest, is like that opening image and then the ending image are really, really important keystones.
1: Next up, when revising her draft, Jennifer uses a couple of tricks, which help each scene crackle with the kind of electricity that shows like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul are known for.
0: When I'm revising, I think the thing that works the best for me as far as getting scenes in shape is saying the dialogue out loud as I am reading it. I don't use my full projected voice, but just actually speaking the words is probably my most consistent tool for getting dialogue to sound Great, or where I want it to be. Once you start saying it, you automatically start thinking in the character's voice because you're like, oh, what does that character sound like? And so if something doesn't feel right for them, that comes through more as opposed to reading it, which is always more of an intellectual exercise, you know, because in your head, you can fill in those gaps. When you're speaking, like you have to actually. <laughs> you know, make those words make sense. There are no gaps you can fill in like you can in your brain. Another thing that I like to do or I always do is I try to say it with fewer words. So there's always fewer words revision where I go through, try to make the lines as efficient as possible without being clipped. Sometimes you need a scene to breathe. You have to have pauses. I'm a huge fan of punctuation and using punctuation as a way to communicate rhythm. I also can be really repetitive and over-explain things or over-express the emotion in a scene. So I go through and I'm like, have I already said this? Can I make it shorter? So those are kind of my big things. It's typically when writing
1: her first draft that Jennifer will encounter problems or perhaps even experience a moment of self-doubt. When this happens, there's nothing like simply talking it out with colleagues and friends to get to the root of the issue. And if that doesn't work, well, there's always the video games Dragon Age and Mass Effect.
0: Um, I take walks. I will go play a video game. I will work on a, a hobby that's not related to writing, you know, that's just like something to do with my hands that I can just like completely unplug that part of my brain. But yeah, I think the most common one, and I resist doing it a lot, is just talking to people about it. You know, just talking about the scene or writing in general. And then I do talk about it and I feel so renewed and refreshed. I'm like, why didn't I just do this the first time? You know?
1: (laughs) For Jennifer, it's worth pushing through these tough moments because the personal rewards are enormous. People really connect to these shows and these characters. The satisfaction that she gets from that reminds her why she writes.
0: I think the reason I write is because I want to connect to people. You know, growing up, the best movies and TV shows and books and and video games and all those things made me feel less alone. You know, somebody else has felt this feeling or... Somebody wrote something that was so exciting or so compelling that it activated a feeling in me that I didn't didn't have before. That's what I want to do is make other people feel not alone or feel something that like maybe they didn't even know they could feel something like that. It, it really is about connection to me and understanding people. I'm fascinated by people and relationships and how we work and why we work and all of the little things that go into making very complex people and storytelling allows you to explore that in a collective way, you know, uh, stories are meant to be shared. And I love that part of it too, where it's like, well, this is my experience. And someone will be like, oh, I had that experience too, but also this, and then it just sort of builds and builds and builds. And again, it makes you feel this sort of collective, you know, communal feeling. I guess that's what it is, you know, feeling like you're not alone connecting with other people.
1: Jennifer Hutchison there is a screenwriter best known for her work on shows like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. She's recently been hard at work on the much-anticipated Lord of the Rings Amazon series, but before you ask, no she did not reveal any tantalising pieces of information about that, so please do not email in asking me. You've been listening to How I Write, hosted by me, Al Horner, with production by Camille Demek. Music comes from Oliver Knowles, our theme song is by Nefetz. How I Write is brought to you by Arc Studio Pro. Get your free trial today by visiting arcstudiopro.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.